All right, are you ready to dive into God's word in this, gosh, like week five of It's a Match. It's a Match. I wondered how many people would come back this week after last week. And um, if you weren't here last week, we talked a lot about sex. And I just kind of had the thought, I wonder who will come back, you know, and um, I do think the 9 a.m. was the most excited about talking about sex, which <laughs> was interesting to me. I just didn't see that coming. And so, uh, but anyways, uh, today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, in fact, when I said I was going to do a relationship series, which I made the decision to do months and months ago, really back in January, um, I knew we, we needed to do it, and I looked at when and was praying. Anyways, long story short, I was talking with staff, I'm going to do a relationship series, and, and, and a couple of them said, are you going to do the hula hoop talk? Well, I, I didn't know I had a hula hoop talk, um, but they're around me a lot, a lot of them. All of them have relationships, whether it's family or whether it's husbands or kids or, or significant others, and, and uh, we have single and married staff, and I never really thought about having a hula hoop hula hoop talk. Um, but I do talk about hula hoops in the context of relationships. And so I knew what they were saying. And, and one of them said, I think that's the most helpful thing you've ever shared. And I'm just glad I shared something helpful. And so, um, and so today, that's what we're going to talk about. So if you want to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we're going to use this one verse. I'll have a few others as we go. I'll reference some other things. But we're really just going to work on this one verse today, Proverbs 4, uh, 23. I've now taken what they called the hula hoop talk and turned it into a message for you in its a match. Um, and so we're going to dive in together. Proverbs 4, 23, it says, above all else, above all else. If you look at that phrase, would it be safe to say this is a high priority? When you say something is above everything else, right? Like if there's a house fire, above all else, get the children, right? Like this is a priority here. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to be out there with our golf clubs wondering where the kids are. So, so above, above all else, this is a high priority, high priority. Guard your heart. This is activity, but notice it's aggressive, it's aggressive. In fact, it's implied you guard. No one else will. Above all else, you've got to do something. There, there's an area of responsibility that you have to take here. Above all else, you have to prioritize and then you have to be aggressive about something. You have to guard your heart. And then it tells us why. Solomon, the, the, the widest, wisest guy who ever lived and the wealthiest guy who ever lived says this, for everything you do flows out of it. Every, everything. How many things? everything. So he's saying, hey, this is why this is a high priority because it, it, it affects everything and no one else is going to do this for you. So this is something you have to do. And so with that today, I want to talk about hula hoops. And so I have some hula hoops here. Um, I, I looked up some interesting facts on the hula hoop just because I wanted to. It actually began in Australia. Hula hoops started in Australia as bamboo uh, hula hoops. They were bamboo rings. Uh, they started in Australia at, for exercise. It was, a, it was a fitness craze. Could you imagine? Now, I'm not going to hula hoop for you. And so, I, yeah, I no, 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 I don't do that without money. And so... Um, <laughs> I don't dance unless there's money involved. And, and so um, anyways, um, that just got awkward. But um, <laughs> no, I really just don't dance. And it was because I was raised Pentecostal and we were only allowed to dance in the spirit. And the spirit never made me dance, so I never learned how. And so um, anyways, uh, but in, in 1957, they started selling them and they caught the attention of a company called Whammo. You guys familiar with Whammo? Yeah, so in 1958, they come to America and um, they introduced them and it became like the biggest craze ever. They sold 20 million hula hoops, made over $30 million. It was incredible. Um, 
just in case you're wondering, because I was, the endurance record for how long a person hula hooped, uh, uh, the record holder, 1984, a lady by the name of Kim Cobberly uh, hula hooped for 72 hours straight. That is dedication. That's dedication, because I'd gotten bored after seven minutes. And um, It's kind of interesting, though. The British... Uh, British um, British Medical Journal actually said that the hula hoop is responsible for an increase, get this, an increase in back, neck, and abdominal injuries. I was like, what, what kind of hula hooping were they doing? That's pretty, because I've tried it. I've never come close to an injury. Then I thought, what if you had to explain that? Oh, how'd you hurt your back? hula hooping accident. <laughs> this is a crazy fact. In Indonesia, um, they actually banned the hula hoop because they were concerned they would stimulate passion. <laughs> we could have talked about hula hooping last week. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, Japan forbade the public use of the hula hoop. Pretty intense stuff. So what does hula hoops have to do with um, relationships. Um, nothing really. Um, <laughs> but it's a great metaphor. It's a great picture, if you will. It's a great picture. And, and that's what I want to show you today. It's a great picture. And so I, I called this message, Can You Hula Hoop? Can You Hula Hoop? Because to me, it's probably, probably one of the most foundational and maybe the most helpful that talks that, that I could give you. And that is, I think, and, and you'll, it'll make sense in the end, but in the end, if you can hula hoop well, then, then you're, you're going to succeed in relationships. And, and if you can hula hoop well, you're not going to lose yourself in relationships. If you can hula hoop well, you'll actually protect who God created and designed you to be in the context of relationships. And so really being able to hula hoop well as a picture, and I'll give you the picture as we go, but as a picture, being able to hula hoop well is, um, is a skill that is not inherently known in that you just, you, just don't, you just don't know how to do it. It's something you learn how to do or you don't. And so with that, I'm going to tell you three things about hula hoops, but first, let me pray. Father, thank you so much that your word speaks so clearly to all the issues of life. And God, as we gather here in your presence, Lord, help us, help us to, um, to lean into you, to hear the whispers of your spirit. God, you care so much about us. You care so much about our relationships. You care so much about who you created us to be um, that, God, we want to we hear from you. And so, God, we pray you would speak so clearly um, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Three things about hula hoops. You could write these down. Uh, these all came from me. I didn't find these online. But uh, three things about hula First thing is um, hula hoops allow only limited participation. So when I'm talking about hula hoops, what I'm talking about is boundaries. And, and I don't know if you know this, but, but a hula hoop actually limits the participation. Um, do you ever think about this? Like, like to, to do a hula hoop, basically all the activity is going to happen inside the hula hoop. And there's a limit to how many people can be inside this hula hoop. And there's a limit to how close I can get to other people because of this hula hoop. If I'm hula hooping, and I get too close, I won't be hula hooping anymore. Someone else is going to hit my hula hoop and it's going to stop hula hooping. <laughs> and, and so this, this essentially, in a picture of relationships, we're starting to define what I would call limits. And that's what boundaries actually are. Boundaries are emotional, mental, and physical limits. And I could even apply spiritual limits too, to some degree. But they're emotional and mental and physical limits that I must maintain in order to have healthy interactions with other people. Let me say that again. Emotional, mental, and physical limits that I set and I maintain so that I can have healthy interactions with other people. No one else will maintain these for me. No one else will set them for me. Oh, they will to their benefit. 
Um, but these are things that, that I maintain. And, and really, this is an expression of my own value. I wish you could see this. It's an expression of my own value. When I set limits, I'm saying, this is as far as I go, and this is as far as you can come. This is where I end. This is where you begin. This is where you end. This is, where, this is me. This is who I am. This is my own sense of self. This is my understanding of who I am that, that God and I are going to define and God and I are going to protect. Or I should say, God is going to empower me to protect who he has created and redeemed me to be. And so I'm defining limits, like this is who I am. This is what I think. This is what I do. This is what I don't do. This is what I value. This is what I don't value. And I get to set that for me, and it's my ability to set that that allows me to relate to others and interact with others in a healthy way, in a way that's healthy for me, and in a way that's healthy for them. And when, when I set limits... What I'm saying is what is inside this is so valuable that if I'm going to grant you closer access to it, I'm going to require more from you. Right? And if I can't require more from you, you're unwilling or unable, I'll set the boundary in a different place. Because what is in here is so valuable. God made it. And God breathed into it. And God gave it life and gave it purpose. And God called it and redeemed it and justified. And it's so valuable that I can't just let everybody come right in. That might not be healthy. And so if you want more access, I'll have to require, right? I'll have to require greater responsibility. I'll have to require some things from you because this is an expression of value, it determines my person. It determines who I am and, and, and who I'm not. So when, when Solomon, when the author writes, guard your heart, the word heart there is actually the word for inner self, inner self. It's, it's actually, it, it's, it's like your person. It's like who, who you actually are, right? It's what's in your skin. And, and, and so when we're talking about guard your heart, he's saying, he's saying that this is what you're made of. This is who you are. This is your person personality. This, this is you, your own self. And, th- and what he's saying is, and, and the only person that, that is going to or can guard that person is you. You have to. When, 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 so when we're talking about when we're talking about our, our person, our inner person, uh, Dr. Uh, John Townsend actually breaks this down into seven kind of categories that are you, that, that you have to guard. That, that's your inner person, your inner man, your inner self, your heart that's in your skin. Seven, seven things that you have to guard that no one else will guard. I'll give you these really quickly. Number one, you have to guard your values. No one else will guard your values for you. In fact, in fact, you'll have a problem when their values conflict with your values if you don't know how to guard your values. Your values are the things that, that are important to you. They're the things that guide your life. Like, I, I value faith. I value Christ. This is the greatest value that I have. I value family. I, I, there, there are things that I value that I have to protect those values. That's inside of me. That's in myself. That's in my skin. That's my heart. And so I have to protect my values. I have to protect my thoughts. There's a way that I think. I'm allowed to have my own thoughts. I'm allowed to think the way that I think. And I'm allowed to think the thoughts that I think. And it's okay to protect those thoughts because those thoughts are me. They, They come from me. And so it's okay to protect them. Then, then, then there's my feelings. It's okay to protect my feelings. Right? Uh, feelings are just what you feel. But they're yours and they're valuable because they come from you and they belong to you. And now you have to be wise enough to, to evaluate your feelings with the rest of reality because it is possible to feel things that aren't actually factual, but once you feel them, they feel very true. It's important that we submit our feelings sometimes to the rest of ourselves and to reality. Otherwise, our feelings can take us to the wrong place if we solely trust in how we feel. Feelings don't tell you the truth. They tell you the truth about what's going on with you. But you have to protect that because you need to know what's going on with you. Have you ever felt rejected when you weren't really rejected at all? 
And you said, oh, I feel rejected. But then you said, you know, truthfully, this person's not rejecting me. They're going through something on their own that, you know, and, and, and now we have that ability to evaluate and say, oh, maybe I need to deal with me, but this isn't their fault. See, if I don't have the ability to do with that, then everything I feel is everybody else's fault. We call that codependency. And, and so I have to, I have to protect my feelings. I have to guard my feelings. Um, here's a fun question. Have you ever taken responsibility for someone else's feelings? Yeah. Have you ever been around someone that needs you to be responsible for their feelings? Don't look at them right now. Don't. <laughs> Eyes forward. We're just talking. But, but isn't it true? We, we have sometimes in relationships where someone, uh, we, we, whether we, we mean to, whether it's just us or whether they're pulling on us, but it's like they want us to guard their feelings. They want us to be in charge of their feelings. They feel sad. They want us to make them happy or, or better yet, they feel sad and we think we're supposed to make them happy. They feel alone and we're supposed to make them not feel alone. They're, they're feeling depressed and we're supposed to make them not feel depressed. And, and now all of a sudden we are guarding someone else's feelings and many times we guard someone else's feelings at the expense of guarding our own feelings. Has anyone ever been guilty of protecting someone else's feelings while not protecting your own feelings? Here's your Dr. Phil question. How's that working out for you? How's that, how's that happening? Uh, number four, so values, thoughts, feelings. Number four, passions. I got I to gotta protect my passion. Passion... The, the, David said, the zeal for your house has consumed me, that, that we have passion. Uh, most of the time, having passion is not a problem. It's putting passion in the right place that is. Um, but, but we were created to be passionate about certain things. And passion is what drives me. Passion is what gets me up in the morning. If I lose my passion, I'm not really going to want to do much. And so I have to protect my passion. I need to protect my sins and my weaknesses in order to make myself healthy. I don't share that with everybody. I don't let everybody in that, but yet need to evaluate it and protect it so that I can always move towards health in areas where I'm unhealthy or areas where I'm weak. I need to protect my, my, my history. I'm, I'm a composite of deposits. I have experiences and I have a family of origin and I need, to, I need to protect those things. That's another thing where I need boundaries. And then I need to protect my strengths. I need to understand what I'm good at, maybe what I'm not. But in this area, I need to protect my strengths um, because it's the strengths that God has given me um, in order to contribute, in order to make a difference, in order to make a change. And so these values, thoughts, feelings, passions, sins, weaknesses, histories, and strengths, that those are the seven things that are inside me, in my inner man, seven things that no one else is responsible to guard except me. And isn't it true sometimes in relationship? Let's just, could we just be honest? It's dangerous. But haven't we always, haven't we been offended when we didn't maintain a boundary and, and we didn't protect one of these areas and it got encroached upon and then we got upset when truthfully it was our responsibility to protect in the first place. And we got upset that someone else didn't protect it for us. And so these are seven things that no one else is going to protect but you. You have to set your boundaries. There, there are really two main functions of boundaries in, in my opinion. But um, Number one, I have boundaries so I can steward my life well. I need a hula hoop so, so I can steward my life well because now this is, this is going to help me. Um, this is going to help me determine what I will and won't do, what I value, what I don't value. I may value that interaction. I may not value that interaction. I may not be able to value that because of a higher value. And so now when we're talking about boundaries, one of the greatest skills in setting boundaries is using the word No. Because you cannot say yes if you cannot say no. Your, your yeses are protected by your no's. And it is your no that allows you to say yes. I, I can tell you I learned this very quickly as a pastor because I wanted to say yes to everything. And every time I said yes to something, I said no to something else. I didn't mean to. I thought I was just saying yes. And now the hardest thing that I have is, is people sometimes want a meeting or they, could you do this? Or could you show up at this? Or would you be able to do this? And, 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 and the answer is, I'd love to, but I have to say no. 
And it's not because I'm mean, it's because there's just one of me. And I can't say yes to everything because I have some values and I have some feelings and I have some thoughts and I have some strengths and I have some passions and I have, I, have, I have some things that I have to say yes to. And so having to say yes to some things means I have to say no. It's not because I want to. It's because there's a value in what's inside the hula hoop. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we have to, listen, in relationships is the hardest thing, I think, um, is normalizing saying no, especially in marriage. Because even in marriage, even in dating relationships, in dating relationships, you never say no because you're trying to get married. <laughs> Let's be honest. But then you get married and, and sometimes even the, you, who you married, you have to say no to. Not because you ought to, but because what's in this is so valuable that I have to protect this. Not that they're trying to hurt me, not that they're trying to take from me, but no, this is about protecting myself. This is about being who I am. This is about determining what's valuable and not valuable. This is about who I am and what I have to give, and I only have who I am, and I only have what I have to give, and it only is what it is. And so we have to normalize. We have to, here's a fun question, another fun question. We're playing Have You Ever this morning. Have you ever... Let's say in the last 30 days, have you ever said yes when you knew you needed to say no? Let's doctor feel that one more time. How'd that work out for you? How'd it work out for you when they wanted something, they, they needed money, they needed your time, they needed you to help, they needed you to do something. Oh, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. Could you, could you please, please, please help me, help me, help me. And you knew you didn't have time and you knew you didn't have the money and, and you knew... And you said, yes. Here's a follow-up question. What did it cost you? What did it cost you when you said yes, when you should have said no? Because it probably cost you something inside your hula hoop. It probably cost you a value. It probably cost you a thought or a feeling. It, it cost you something. Isn't that the truth? And, and so we have to learn to say, we have to learn to say no because um, that's the only way to say yes. That's the only way to set um, limits. The second reason we have boundaries is because boundaries tell me when I need to confront. Now, we don't like to confront, do we? Hmm? We don't like to confront. Um, but when someone encroaches, they run into me. How many know it's not their responsibility to figure out where I end and where I begin? It's mine. And when they run in, here's what happens. People run into us and we're like, well, you know, I'm just not going to say anything. No, I'm just, turn the other cheek, you know, just. And then one day we're just, because we've just had all we can stand. And they're like, what? I've been doing this for eight years and you've never said anything. I didn't know this was a problem. And so uh, boundaries tell me when, when I need to confront. And confrontation, this is what we miss sometimes. Um, we, we're, we, we don't like conflict, but confrontation, confrontation comes from the value of honor. Did you know that? And, and if we're healthy, we confront out of honor and not out of anger. But what enables us to confront, by the way, I am throwing down so much therapy that will help you that right now, you, you should write down everything I'm saying at this point. I mean, it's just that, it's rich. But right now, like you're arrogant. No, I paid a lot of therapists. But, but, but here's the thing. But here's the thing is, is when I have a strong set of boundaries and someone bumps into it, see, now I can say, oh, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with what you did there. That was manipulative. That, 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 that ran into me, and, and I need to help establish where I am. And, and here's why we confront. I love you. You're amazing. And I want to have a relationship with you. And that's why I'm going to explain where my boundary is. 
Now you cannot, let me help you with, uh, this is just pro tip here. You can't set boundaries to control other people. Right? Oh, my boundary is you're going to act this way. Okay, it doesn't work that way. That's called manipulation. That's not a boundary. Right? That's not a strong person. That's a weak person. Weak people try to control other people so they can be okay. Strong people control themselves. My God, that's good. You should write that down. And so when someone runs into me now, now I say, wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm not okay with this. I'm okay with you, but I'm not okay with this because this encroached on who I am. You've stepped over the line. You've come in where you weren't, weren't welcomed, where you shouldn't have. And because I want to have a relationship with you, I want to explain that because hopefully you value me as much as I value you. And you give them, you empower them to choose relationship with you or not. Because they're like, no, if I can't, if I can't act this way, be this way, do this thing, then we're not going to have a relationship. Then you say, okay, I'll just take my hula hoop over here. Because I can't control you, but I can control how close my hula hoop is to you. I get to decide where this goes. I get to decide who this is around. Are you, are you with me? And so we choose that honor. Three, three obstacles, I think, to setting boundaries. And the obvious is, number one, we, we are fearful. I think that's going to stop. I'm going to do this and decorate. Now we have two. Ha. Uh, three reasons, really quick, that I think that we, we struggle with boundaries. Um, number one, fear of losing the relationship. If I, if I tell them to stop it, I, I, would, I would lose them. And my question is, would you rather lose them or you? Second thing is um, we're conflict avoidant as people, right? We're just, we are. I mean, can we just be honest with that? We're, we're conflict avoidant as, as people. Um, we're people pleasers and people pleasers. I mean, some, some of us are. Some of us are blessed with not caring what other people think. <laughs> and, some of, and the rest of us care. And so we're afraid if I say no, set a limit, whatever the case may be, then this person, it's going to cost me the relationship and, 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 and I'm conflict avoided. And here's what I'd say, change it from conflict to confrontation. And if you don't like that, change it to honor. I'm not conflict avoided, I'm pro-honor. And I want to honor you and I want you to honor me. Because what's in your hula hoop is valuable and what's in mine is valuable. So I want to honor. So we're going to have an honor conversation right now. And then the third thing is guilt. I think the problem in relationships sometimes is we don't understand the difference between hurt and harm. Hurt and harm. Um, I, I go to the dentist occasionally, <laughs> like you do. And I have this little sensitive spot down here. And they always seem to find it. Um, and when they do, it, it kind of feels like um, a combination of being stabbed in the head and electrocuted at the same time. It's a great sensation. And so when they go scraping down there, it's just this little sensitive spot. It's not a cavity. It's, they've looked at it. But, but if they're not careful, they'll hit that spot. And I'll feel like we're praying for the rapture to happen right there. Come, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Now, here's the thing. They hurt me. But they didn't harm me. In fact, the hurt came because they're trying to help. So sometimes in relationships, I say no to someone, they're like, that hurt my feelings. I'm so sorry, but I'm not harming you. I'm helping you. Are you with me? All right. So, so, so hula hoops, uh, number one, hula hoops uh, limited to participation of just really one person. Here's the second thing. Uh, hula hoops, I like this one. Hula hoops are powered by what's inside. Do you see this? I kind of alluded to this already, but, but you don't hula hoop this way. Uh-oh, my hula hoop's losing. No, no, no. You, you hula hoop by getting inside of this this way. And I'm not going to do it, but you understand. Because no, I'm not going to do it. If I could, I would just to show off. That's my personality. All right? I'm, I'm totally aware of who I am. If I could, I would. But I've tried to hula hoop. And, and it, no, it just, no. 
And so, and so, but hula hoops are powered by what's inside the hula hoop. Here's the thing. I can only control what's inside. I only have power over what's inside. Because so many times in relationships, I want to control. So, Jody and Jensen, can y'all come over here? Like, I think y'all are supposed to help me. I don't remember who my volunteers are, but I like y'all. Yay. So I'm going to give you a hula hoop. Do you hula hoop, by the way? And are you willing to try? You don't have to try. Do you hula hoop? Do you really? Oh, man, I thought another thing. I found out something else about Jody. Um, okay. So here's the problem in relationships. Think, think, think about this. Think about this. The fruit of the Spirit, the only thing, listen to me, listen to me. The only thing that God has ever given you control over, complete control, is yourself. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self. Oh, man. So the secret to relationships is about controlling what's inside your hula hoop. Because we think it's about controlling what's inside their hula hoop. The secret is I can only manage what's in my hula hoop. I can only set limits for what's in. I can't manage what's in their hula hoop. And isn't it true so many times when we're unhappy? Oh, you're not going to be honest. When we're unhappy and we say, you know what? I'm unhappy and I know the problem. They need to change something in their hula hoop. Because if he would just... If he'd just take me on a date, if he'd just buy me flowers, if he'd just write me a poem, well, if she'd just do my laundry, if she'd cook me a steak, clean this house, stop spending money, I'd be happy if she would just... But, I, but I'd be happy if he would just. That's not how ginseng sounds. But anyways, um, <laughs> nor is that how Jody sounds. Not in plan that either. But, but, but the idea is, listen, 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 listen. Um, boundaries are about owning myself. And this is the definition. Like here's ginseng. This, this is the limit of where her power begins and where her power ends. And when I, listen to me. When I try to own someone else's power, we have a word for that. It's called Manipulation. And manipulation is, well, if you don't do this, then I'm going to this. And if you don't, no, 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 no. That's not how you do relationships. They're not, they're, they're, relationships are not terroristic negotiations. It's not a hostage situation. You can't do a relationship as a hostage situation. If you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. That, that is not, that's not the way we do relationships. The truth of it is, I can only manage what's inside my hula hoop. My power begins and ends here. Or Genesis does, Jody's power begins and ends here. He, he doesn't have power over her hula hoop. She doesn't have power over his hula hoop. And this works with all relationships. It works with your kids. It works with your, your friends and, and it works with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You have boyfriend, right? You know, and so it works. It works with, with, with all of those. And, and the secret, listen to me, listen to me. In relationship, the secret of happiness, we think it's always in someone else's hula hoop. But the secret of happiness I think one body, somebody said it this way, happiness is an inside job. And the secret of happiness is about what's in my hula hoop and how I manage my hula hoop. But you don't know what they did. Doesn't matter. What are you going to do? Well, but they're this way. Doesn't matter. Say no. Set a limit. I can't control their hula hoop. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because you've tried. How did it work for you? Yeah. I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. They're just not cooperating. I've explained how they're supposed to be. 
Okay, here's the third thing. Y'all hang on one second. Third, third point, ready for this? Hula hoops are fun with one, but can be sore with more. They're fun with one because, because like I said, I, I can only be responsible here. So here's what happens in, in a marriage or in a relationship when one person is not able to manage their relationship well, sometimes that person can become the bringer upper. The bringer upper. The bringer upper is the one that is constantly going to the other one to bring up what the other one hasn't done or needs to do. And, and usually there's a list or there's several things and depending on whichever thing they run into, that one resurfaces. Well, you know what you're not doing. Well, you know what you need to do. Hey, I'd just like to point out again that you didn't do this and you should do this and you shouldn't do this. And they'll start shooting all over everybody. By the way, can I help you just if you're in a relationship, this pro tip, should is always shaming language. Shaming language always, always creates hindrances in relationship. It always slows things down because you can't shame people. It, shame covers. And if you constantly cover people with shame, you don't allow them to be them. So when you should all over them, you never get to see who they actually are. Now, I want to show you something real quick. So, so here, will y'all play along? Okay, let me see this. Okay, sure, like I had a choice. <laughs> you are so awesome. <laughs> I probably owe y'all big. All right, so here, come over here. So, so here, let me, let me bring something up. By the way, the bringer upper, there's a scripture about it, Proverbs 25, 17. It says, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you and they will hate you. Here's what, here's what he said. You got to stay out of their hula hoop. You keep getting in their hula hoop, they're going to resent you for it. You've got to let them own them. And if they're trying to say, you're in my hula hoop, you got to go back to your hula hoop. Then listen, you got to say, whoop, stop, whoop, yay. You're in my hula hoop, you got to stop. And you keep coming to my hula hoop, my hula hoop's going to move. Yeah. Right? Now, here's, here's one. Of, now, this is probably going to, um, well, we'll just see what it does. Um, I, think, I, think, I think people misunderstand Christian marriage. And we use the, the two become one. And so you guys kind of face each other and get close. And here's what we think Christian marriage is. Just hold that right there. Those two became one. Two hula hoops, one hula hoop. Two lives, one life. Those two became one. And we think that that's a picture of marriage. And what I would say is that's not a picture of marriage. That's a picture of enmeshment. That's a picture of codependency. Codependency and enmeshment often go hand in hand, but if you're wondering, codependency is I need someone else to do something or be something so I can be okay. So it's a powerless state, right? I need them to act this way, do this thing for me, meet this need for me, help me with this. I'm not able to do this. That's codependency. Enmeshment is I've lost my individuality in a relationship or a family dynamic, and, and so I need essentially, if they're sad, I'm sad. If they're mad, I'm mad. If they're up, up, they're, uh, I'm up. If they're down there, if they're depressed, I'm depressed. If they're mad at that person, I'm mad at that person, whether I had the same experience with them or not. And in an enmeshed family dynamic, when one person changes anyway, the whole, the whole family changes that way. And so, so many times we call this Christian marriage, but what has happened, listen to very carefully, is we've lost our individuality. Also, also, we've lost our ability to choose. And love is about choice. So let me see this. I'm sorry. Let me do this again. So now, what if I would take this one here and Jensen, you take this one here. So now, what if I, and we'll back up just a little bit. So what if I now, just give them where they're touching. So what if that was Christian marriage? Yes, come on. And the two have become one, but we haven't lost the two. Yes. Jody's still Jody. Jensen's still Jensen right? But now they've chosen to be in a relationship. Because see what happens when, when you have one person who's trying to control the other person so they can be okay, and you are binding someone to your will, getting them to do what through, through the, the, the emotional terrorism, or, or, or you're, you're, you're just 
right? And you're trying to get them to do it and you're compelling them. And if you don't, then I'm gone. And if you don't, then, then it's not gonna, and if you don't, then I'm gonna. And, and now what happens is now if they choose to connect, here's my choice. Here's my question. Did they do it because they chose freely or did they do it to, to, to try to satiate whatever's going on with you? And once I've lost my ability to choose, I've lost my ability to love. Because love is always choice. See, what we want is a married couple and maybe they travel, but then they come back and right and here, I'm gonna get behind you guys. So they don't block. So so then, you know, maybe they have a little tiff, you know, and then and then they come back. Jody bought another drum set, and Jensen's like, oh my lord. And then they come back. But but what keeps them together is they get to keep choosing each other over and over again. And marriage is about continuing to choose the one you chose over and over again. And so they get to choose. Oh, they're not losing their individuality. They're not losing their sense of self. They're not losing who they are in the other person. They're not a mesh. She may, after this experience, say, I do not like Pastor Marty at all. And he may say, you know, Pastor Marty's not that bad. And so, and, and they're free, right? They're, he's free to think he's not that bad. And she's free to think, oh, he's terrible. And they can still be in a relationship. And she's not saying, no, you have to think what I think. And he's not saying, you have to think what I think. It's like, you are okay to say no. You are okay to say, I don't like that hamburger. You are okay to say, I don't like lasagna. You are okay to say, I don't like this message. And your wife may be like, I loved it. You know what I'm saying? So, That's fine. You don't have to not like it because I didn't like it. And I don't have to love it because you loved it. Because we're two individual people. But would you get to choose connection? We get to choose love, right? This, this is, okay, so I'll let you guys go. Thank you all. So can you give them a hand? They're amazing. <clears throat> They're so talented. And, and so, so to me, the freedom to choose is where I have freedom to love. When there's manipulation or control, where there's this compulsion and binding, I've lost the, the very core foundation of what love is because I don't get to make a choice anymore. Now my choice is being, is being manipulated or, or constricted or, or, or uh, compelled by you, which now, listen, this is what happens in relationships. Is you'll have one of them saying, if you, if you would just, you got to do this, you got to do this, and finally the other person does it. And you know what the person who started the whole exchange says? Yeah, but I don't know if they really meant it. Let me help you. They didn't. They're just trying to shut you up. So, so what you wanted was to be loved. And what you got was just somebody willing to do something because they just got tired of you bringing it up. It didn't answer the question you had. They didn't really get to choose. And when we start binding, compelling, manipulating and trying to get everybody in the same hula hoop because we're married and we're supposed to be one, so we're supposed to think the same, have the same values. What happens? We're losing ourselves. The number one reason that you have boundaries is because, um, to me, boundaries protect your sense. It, well, boundaries protect you. They protect your identity. They protect who God made you to be. And if I don't protect who God made me to be, I may become who someone else wants me to be. Jesus had this experience. In Mark 3, verse 20, it says, When Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd, this is right after he starts calling disciples. So he's been calling disciples. He enters a house. There's this big crowd so that he and disciples were not even able to eat their food. And when Jesus' family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And then you can skip down. They come back again a few verses later, Mark 3, 31. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers, Jesus is teaching, and his mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him, a crowd sitting around him. They told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Now, why did they come to find him? Because they thought he's crazy. Because he's appointing disciples and going around preaching the gospel. And they're like, you're crazy. You're Jesus the carpenter. Even, even his mother, Mary, who if anyone knew there was an immaculate conception, it was Mary. Yeah. Something about Mary, Mary. They came, you're out of your mind. And what Jesus said, look at how he sets boundaries. Who are my mothers? 
Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. But then he went on to say, those who do the will of my father. You see, you see how he set limits? Because they're like, they're running in. Because here he is, he's the Messiah, he's the king. And he knows it. And he steps into his calling and into his purpose. And he has got this thing going. And then here come some people that don't like what he's doing and think he's lost. You're going to embarrass the family. Like, you're crazy. You're out here pointing disciples and preaching the gospel and crowds are following you. And we got to convince you. And here's what he said. Wait a second. You're running into a boundary. You've run into who I am and I have to protect who I am. You've run into who God made me to be and I have to protect who God made me to be. And you may not understand it, but I'm not harming you. It may hurt a little bit, but I have to say no. I'm not going to go back home with you. I have stepped into purpose and ministry and calling and I just can't, can't do what you're asking. I understand that you don't understand. This is about what I will and won't do. This is about what I do and don't value. This is about my yes and my no. And I have to say no to going home with you because I've said yes to what God's called me to do. And so Jesus even had experience with this because here's the thing. You are who God created you to be. But no one will protect that but you. And God has given you the power to protect your identity and your calling and your purpose. He has given you the power to to fully be who he has called, created, and redeemed you to fully be. But no one's going to be responsible for that for you. In fact, in this world, there'll be a lot of people running into your hula hoop. There'll be a lot of things running into your hula hoop. People at the office, people at the school, people at wherever. They're going to run into your hula hoop. And, and the reality is, I have to be able to maintain this hula hoop because what is inside is so precious. What is inside is so valuable that I have to be able to, to say no. And I have to explain when I say no, hey, this is why, because I've said this, yes, I have to set limits because, hey, you're encroaching. I'm sorry, I honor you, so I want to talk about that. Hey, this is what works, and this is what, this is what I see value in, this is what I don't see value in, this is what I'd like to do. I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times people have asked me to do things, and I just have to look at it and say, in the context of me, in the context of who I am, do I see any value in that? It's not that I don't see value in it. It's that I don't see value in it for me. Not in a selfish way, but I'm saying if I go do that, it's really not going to help them any. It's really not going to help me any. It's, 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 do you see what I'm saying? That, that we have to understand that relationships, listen, relationships aren't our source. They're our resource. And, and I don't mean, listen, you can't be the, 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 the vampire that's always sucking energy out of people. They need to set their own boundaries, right? That's a, a toxic person. If you, a toxic person, um, a toxic person, we talk about a toxic person. My definition is, is a person that is unaware of how they impact the world around them or, or they're aware and unwilling to change. So a toxic relationship is always one-sided. It's one person pulling on the other person. Um, and, and so, so the truth of it is though, I can't find my sense of self in other relationships. They don't tell me who I am. They're not the source of me. I should be able to maintain myself. So in relationships, you get a lot of, well, they're not meeting my needs. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but you're an adult. And I think maybe you should change the word from needs to desires because a need is air. A need is food. And, and now there's a balance in everything. If we're married to someone, we should want to meet their needs. We should want, but no one person can meet all your needs. That's impossible. Don't put that on anybody. No one person could ever do that for you. That's why we need people. That's why we need a life group. That's why we need people around us. Because Ephesians 4 tells us I need people around me because when I have people around me, then, then I'm going to be made strong by what every joint supplies, Right? Um, and then First Peter 4.10 says that, that each of us should, should, should steward the gift God has given us um, as, though we are, um, oh, as though we're faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. In other words, if we're around people, we receive God's grace from people. We receive acceptance. We receive love. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But, but I can't make relationships my source. I can't be that person that can't maintain and control inside this hula hoop. And I need to find somebody else to power my hula hoop for me because relationships are about giving and receiving. They're about resourcing. They're not about being the source. 
Are you with me? And so when I'm healthy and, and I realize that, man, I'm, I'm in control of God has asked me to manage this and now I can choose where I'm going to give and where I can't give and what I'm going to do and what I can't do and what I'm going to value and what I'm not going to value, what I'm going to think, what I'm not going to think. Now, now I'm a healthy person to interact with because now I can say, oh, I'd love to help you. Oh, I'd love to try to, I'd love to, try to give to you in that way. Now, now your wife comes to you and says, hey, you know, I really love date night. Oh, I'd love to do a date night. Let's do a date night, right? But at the same time, someone else comes and asks, oh, yeah, I'm not able to do that. Now this is a healthy person to interact with because they are owning who they are. I know who I am. I know who God made me to be. I know what my values and priorities are. Right? I, I know what I can do and I know what I can't do and I know what I can do for you and what I many times I say no to people because what they're asking wouldn't actually help them even if I gave myself to it. Like you have to evaluate when someone's asking you a couple of things. If someone's asking you to do something, number one, ask them, could they do this for themselves? Right? And and number two, I, determine this. Um, what is the end of this? Like, will this make a difference? Right? Because if you have codependent people and needy people, those type of people, and what you give to them is not going to satiate or satisfy them, and they're just going to want more, then it's like, well, I'm not really, I'm just perpetuating the, the problem. The problem's inside of them, and if I keep giving what they're asking for, they're just going to want more, because in the end, this should set them up to be stronger inside of them. It should be a, a, a transaction, a give to and a receive from, and we can do that or not do that, and that doesn't determine everything about our relationship. Right? Are, are you with me? And so here's the question today, because we're out of time. Can you hula hoop? Can you hula hoop? Right? Can you hula hoop? Can you define your hula hoop? Can, can you define your values? Can you define your identity? Can you be who God has created and redeemed? Can you be you in the presence of other people? That's really what hula hoops is, what boundaries are all about. Can you hula hoop? You dating someone, can you, can you still maintain your hula hoop? Right? In a marriage, can you still maintain your hula hoop? At the office, can you maintain your hula hoop? In your neighborhood and on the soccer team, <laughs> whatever. Can you hula hoop? Because I think this is foundational to healthy interactions with everybody else. Guard, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Who, who's going to guard my heart? Me. And there's no sense getting upset when somebody else didn't guard what only I was given responsibility to guard. Why do I need to guard my heart? Because everything... Everything that is and is going to be in my life is going to flow in and out of this hula hoop. I got to guard, guard my heart. Because out of this, every issue, every relationship, every decision, out of this, it's who I am. Guard your heart. You got it? Can you hula hoop? Why don't you stand?